The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. introduction so I get to do this myself, right? My name is Jack White. I am 66 years old. I've been teaching for 39 years, 33 at the Charleston Christian School. Uh, I was saved at the age of 19. Uh, Let's see. Failed sixth grade. Uh, Got kicked out of Porter Goud in the ninth grade. Got kicked out of James Island High School in the 12th grade, and then God, who must have a sense of humor, said, I want you to teach. (laughs) And I've been doing that for 39 years. Greg called me last night, and um, I didn't know that Bessie had passed, but he said, are you preaching tomorrow? I said, no. He said, you got a message? I said, yeah, I got a few. He said, would you preach? And I said, yes. And within just a matter of seconds, uh, God put it on my heart what I wanted to share with you, what he wanted to share with you through me. Uh, Greg is a good friend. Uh, You have a choice pastor. He's an expository pastor, and that's what I am, an expository preacher. But this morning, we're going to do a topical message on one of my favorite people. I was saved at the age of 19 as a drug addict. I was at... Baptist College of Charleston, uh, College of Charleston wouldn't want to touch me. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. So they let me go to Baptist College on probation. And uh, I was there, uh, hair down to my shoulders, drug addict, drug dealer, some, but I did more than I sold, and that's not really beneficial. But anyway, uh, there was a man there by the name of Dr. Carpenter. Dr. Carpenter was the first man in my life that looked past the exterior and saw a young man who needed Christ. And for the first time of my life, I was loved with an uncanny kind of love, a love that was Christ's love through Dr. Carpenter. He prayed for me. I came under conviction. I drove over to his house one day, and I knocked on his door. He was a Southern Baptist preacher. And I said, Dr. Carpenter, I need help. And he said, Son, I can't help you, but I know who can. Come on in. And he went through the Romans Road with me. I left his house walking, it seemed, three feet above the sidewalk, Because for the first time in my life, I was clean. The blood of Christ had cleansed me from sin. When you think about the most amazing verses in the Bible, there are many. And we could go and say, what's your favorite? What's your favorite? What's the most amazing? One of the most amazing is Galatians 2.20 which I learned like this. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Think of that. The Son of God, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the hope of the world, lives in each one of his children. And this phrase, the life I now live, what makes the difference? For me, at the age of 19, addicted to drugs and close to death, what makes the difference now that I'm able to teach 
third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders the Word of God. The difference is that Christ lives in me. That is the most amazing thing in all the Scripture, that He would cleanse a heart so wicked and so sinful and come and set up His throne and His kingdom in my heart. But He did that. If we were in chapel here, I would ask you to do something. And I'm just going to pretend that right now we have the Charleston Christian School here. And I really need you to focus for the next 30 minutes or so. So I would like you to look to the person to your left and say, Don't talk to me! Do it! There you go. Look to the person to your right and say, I'm not listening! What movie? Princess Bride. You got it. All right. Now, put your hands on your rosy red cheeks. Right here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. And say, I'm focused. Now i got to pray. Father, would you take the rest of this time and by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, make Christ known to us in ways we've never known him before. In Jesus' name. Life is quick. That's Emerson when he was about, I don't know, he was young. You know, I I birthdays for my grandkids. I got like eight, I think. One's on the way. But anyway, all these grandkids, and, and that's Emerson there when he was uh, just a, a little kid. And before you know it, he's going to look a lot like that, you know? What's amazing is we, we, we begin our lives laying down. We usually end our lives laying down. And in between, it just goes by very, very quickly. And when Greg called last night, I didn't know that Bessie had passed. He didn't mention that. I just thought he needed to be with Danielle. But I want you to understand that it's our loss, it's her gain, it's Christ's glory. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And she's wrapped in his arms now. How glorious is that? How wonderful is that? But life is quick. Your whole life matters to God. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, the same yesterday, today, and forever, says to Israel, you know what, you descendants of Jacob, uh, you're, you're the ones that I've upheld since your birth. And I've carried you since you were born. Even to your old age in gray hairs or no hairs for some of us, I am he who made you. I will sustain you. I will carry you. All the way through. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Have you found that to be true for 45 plus years? I have found that to be true. That God has done all of that and infinitely more. Your whole life matters to God. If you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know that he loves you. You've broken his law. He paid the debt for your sin. He will welcome you to himself. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. Your life matters to others. Your life matters to others. When God saved you, it's always with a view to others. And oftentimes, the next generation. God never does a work in one heart for just that heart. It's for other people around that person. There was a time in my life when I didn't think I'd ever be able to marry, have a wife, have a family, anything. God entered that situation, and now 
I have a family, sons, daughters, grandchildren. God says that we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. Our life matters to God, our life matters to others. So God is at work in our lives doing a glorious thing. These are lives that mattered. Look up there. Every one of these people is a broken vessel, weak. We're studying the book of Judges now, and we're talking about Ehud, and we're talking about Gideon, and we're talking about Shamgar and and Jephthah. None of them, none of them didn't have problems, but God used them because they were, the word is, available. And I preached through most of these people. My founding pastor of our church said, You need to study people. You need to study biographies. You need to read biographies. You need to see how God worked in other people in other ages. That's an amazing list, is it not? Your list is being written too. God used these people in phenomenal ways. And this person. How about this? Born on March 24, 1820. Father died when she was a baby. Mother lived to be the age of 91. Grandmother to 103. But she became blind as a baby when a doctor prescribed the wrong medicine for her eyes when she was just an infant. And she lived the rest of her life blind. You know who we're talking about, I'm sure. Her family could not care for her. She was put in an orphanage, but God had plans. She wrote more than 8,500 hymns. She went to heaven on February 12, 1915. You know who it is? Well, who is it? Tell me. Yeah, it was Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby. And you probably have sung most, if not all, of these Songs, rescue the perishing, tell me the story of Jesus, to God be the glory. Blessed assurance this morning, I put on Spotify and I said, let me, let, let me listen to the songs of Fanny Crosby. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it, saved by grace all the way my Savior leads me. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice and told thy love to me. And I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. Praise him, praise him. Draw me near. Isn't that amazing? This blind little baby, God came into her life and gave us this legacy. When she was eight years old, just eight, she said, Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. You've already complained five or ten times this morning about something, I'm sure. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't to weep or sigh because I'm blind? I cannot and I won't. I want that kind of spirit. She saw things from a different perspective. In my early years of going to rock concerts up and down the East Coast, I went to one where Jose Feliciano, guitarist, blind, got up on stage, dark sunglasses. He stepped up on stage. We're all waiting, you know, for him. He said, out of sight. I was good. Out of sight. But he saw things. It's an amazing thing. What a, what a gifted guitarist. 
At nine years old, on March 3rd, 1835, she became a student at the New York Institute for the Blind, and she loved all of her subjects except what? Yeah, so being a poet, she had to write about it at nine years old. And so she said, I loathe, abhor, it makes me sick to hear the word arithmetic. She hated it. And I said, sorry, Mr. Mahler, because he used to be the math teacher at the school. And some of you probably remember Mr. Mahler. And I just had to say, so sorry. Okay. I love teaching math, too, especially long division. Ten years old. What's going on in her life? All right. She had memorized Genesis. Now, I didn't say Genesis 1-1. She had memorized all 50 chapters of Genesis. Exodus, what, 40 chapters? She had memorized Leviticus, what, 33? I don't know. Numbers, Deuteronomy. She had memorized the whole book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Had memorized by the time she was 10 years old. You say, how did she do that when she was blind? I'll tell you later. And poems without number. We have an elderly man at our church now who is passionate about memorizing Scripture. You don't want to talk to him. You don't want to talk to him because he will say, quote me some Scripture. And he'll say, what verses are you memorizing? He gave us a a pack of, of the Navigator verses, like 60 of them. It said, here, memorize these. Let me know when you're done. I'll give you more. It's an amazing thing. He's got us memorizing Scripture. My students, uh, third through eighth graders, have little packets that he makes for them with their names on it. Let me tell you what, there's no guarantee that we'll have Bibles 10, 15, 20 years from now. Just wait and see. What if all you had was what you had hidden in your heart? And so at the Charleston Christian School, we are memorizing Scripture. Day after day after day after day. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. At 27, she got saved. 27. She said, for the first time, I realized that I had been trying to hold on to the world with one hand and the Lord with the other. Young people, you can't do that. You let go of the world, and you'll be able to embrace Christ with both hands. And there's nothing better in all of life to lay hold of him with both your hands. It was during the singing of Alas, and did my Savior bleed that God met her needs. She said, my very soul was flooded with celestial light, she said, and she wrote the song, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Girls, don't be in a hurry. God has someone for you. Look here. Fanny Crosby, at 38 years old, finds the love of her life, a student at the blind school. He was a gifted musician and, oh my, a perfect partner. Playing music, writing poems. Some things are worth waiting for. Some things are worth waiting for. I became a Christian, was married at a very, very young age. My first wife left me, raised my daughter, Layla, for 10 years as a single parent, just trusting. And 10 years later, 
This lady from Bob Jones University came to the school where I was teaching. And the rest is history. But I want to tell you, God has the very best for you if you will learn to wait on Him. Years and years more. All of Fanny's life, she would visit the Bowery Mission and she would sing and she would teach and she would share the Word. And one person, 35 years later, wrote her this letter. To Miss Crosby, I was the boy who told you more than 35 years ago that I had wandered from my mother's God. And that evening you spoke at the mission, and I sought and found peace. And I tried to live a Christian, consistent Christian life ever since. Can you write a note of encouragement this week to somebody whose God is used in your life? I challenge you to do that. I go down to Camp Victory each summer, and I've spoken down there for 11 or 12 years at Camp Victory, and I'm not sure you know, what effect it has. And this last summer when I went down there, all the counselors at the school had written me a letter, all of them, about 12 or 14. And over half of them said, I'm a counselor now, and I was here in fifth grade, and I was here in sixth grade, I was here in eighth grade, and I heard you preach the gospel, and God awakened me and touched my heart through your teaching, and I just want to say thank you. I'm saved now, and I'm serving the Lord here at Camp Victory again. You have no idea the encouragement one note can be to someone who, whom God has used in your life in a great way. Ninety-two years old, she vis- visits Harvard University. Over a hundred million copies of her songs had been printed, and she sang and played at the funeral of Ulysses S. Grant. But just like Bessie, who now is in the presence of the Lord, For the first time in her life, on February 12, 1915, she could see. And she said, I'm so thankful I'm blind because the first person I'll ever see is my Savior. And that's why she wrote these songs. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Let me tell you about forgiveness. The doctor who destroyed her sight by misdiagnosing and misprescribing never forgave himself and moved from the area in shame. And Fanny never saw him again. But she said, if I could meet him now, she wrote, I would say thank you, thank you over and over again. Why? For making me blind. You can't do that unless you've truly forgiven somebody. And seeing God as a sovereign God who is superintending the events in your life from birth to death. And contentment. If I had a choice, she said, I would still choose to remain blind, for when I die, the first face I'll ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. And she wrote songs about this. And the commitment to memorize Scripture. Her tutor, Miss Hawley, set memorization goals of up to five chapters a week. Five verses is tough. Five chapters a week. Five chapters a week. And the conviction that God knows what is best. Boy, we fight God on this one, don't we? Yeah. 
It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank him for this dispensation. She felt that her blindness was God's gift to her so she could write songs for his glory. You see, her disability was God's ability. Our disabilities, the things that we wish weren't there, God says, I'll take that and I'll work through it. Ask the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, right? Where he pleads three times, Lord, take this away. Some torment, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And what did God say? You know the answer. He said, what? My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, my ability is made complete in your disability. Oh, that we would trust him and glory in his work in our lives. She said this. She said, give, said the little stream, give, oh, give, and give, oh, give. As it hurried down the hill, I am small, I know, but wherever I go, the field grows greener still. Or as John said it in John 7, 37, right? If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow, what? Rivers of living water. Yeah, love it. Yeah. That's our life. And the longer we live, the greater blessing we ought to become. You know, I fought the Lord on this age thing, 66, and it's like it just keeps going on. I don't know what that's about. And I've claimed every verse in the Bible that talks about renewing our strength. Okay? The outward man is wasting away, right? The inward man's renewed day by day. I got them all highlighted, marked, claimed, promised, circled, all that stuff in there, you know. I just want to flow. And if I need to be weaker for God to flow greater, then God, I need to glory in that. I love this. This was her first marker. She hath done what she could. It's Mark where the lady came and anointed the feet of Jesus, and they were all saying, why this waste? Why this waste? The world will tell you if you're living for Christ, you're wasting your life. Don't you believe it? Not for a second. Bessie, she hath done what she could. And her work is done. Fanny Crosby, she did what she could. Christ dwelt in her. She gave herself up to him. And he worked through her. But she was part of it. She was the one who said, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Yeah. Yeah. Francis Havergal, I believe, wrote that. Yeah. That's her sister across the sea. They corresponded. They never saw each other, but they corresponded across the sea. Francis Havergal wrote this Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At its feet thy treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only 
all for thee. You pray that, God will take you up on it. Just every morning in my devotions, I got my three Bibles here. I got my two hymnals over here. Bible and hymnal, Bible and hymnal, Bible and hymnal. Yeah. As I pray the hymns. That's one of hers. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. How about this one? Praising my Savior a couple times a day. Think about your life. What a difference it would make. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Wow. Spurgeon wrote this. I'm almost done. At all times, in every situation, under every circumstance, before, in, and after trials, in bright days of glee and dark nights of fear, he would never have done praising, because never satisfied that he had done enough, speaking of David, always feeling that he had fallen short of the Lord's deservings. Happy is he whose fingers are welded to his harp, piano, guitar, drums, whatever it is that God gives you to make music with. He who praises God for mercies shall never want a mercy for which to praise. Isn't it beautiful? Charles Spurgeon. All the way my Savior leads me. Oh, the fullness of his love. When lives are surrendered to Christ, yes, you'll find that love. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. I'll tell you, I first stepped into Charleston Bible Church, 1973, a year after I was saved. And, oh, these were the hymns we sang Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And, oh, they fed my soul and lifted my praise to God. Thou art calling me, Lord Jesus. I'm going to end with this. This is um, written by Lewis Berry Schaefer, theologian, Dallas Theological Seminary. I pray it every day. This is only two of the verses. There are four. And then there's a refrain. But this is what he says. Thou art calling me, Lord Jesus, as thy living witness here. Only by thy life within me can I any witness bear. Thou art calling me, Lord Jesus, to be working one with thee. Only by thy life within me can there any service be. And then the refrain, fill me, Holy Spirit, fill me. All thy fullness would I know. I am smallest of thy vessels, yet I much can overflow. Fanny Crosby was a life that God flowed into and through and blessed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and will until he comes. He wants to do the very same thing in your life. And I will say this, is that when you surrender your life to him, he will do, he will do a wonderful work of grace in your life. I trust you know him. Let's pray. Father, You have been so, so good to me. So, so good to each one of us. And we want our lives to count for time and eternity. Would you take our disabilities and make them your abilities? Would you be glorified through our lives so that we are able 
to bring you the greatest amount of possible glory and to be the greatest possible blessing to the greatest number of people. And when we stand before you in that day, may we say, because of Christ in us, I have finished the work you gave me to do. I have glorified you on the earth. God, grant us that grace for your glory in Jesus' name.